your name? What is your name? She is not a girl. First, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Coffee with Gringos, Dynamic English's podcast where you can learn English simply by hearing people use it. So sit down and have a coffee of us. You're listening to Coffee with Gringos. I'm Paige Sutherland. And I'm Ian Kennedy. And today we are going to talk about a pretty interesting topic, one that I think most people are fascinated by. I guess it's probably like a love-hate situation, but it's cold cases. So we're going to talk about murders that have not been solved. All these cases will more or less involve people from the U.S. Uh, They're pretty popular, except we'll hear one that maybe isn't so mainstream for our listeners. But we have a special guest that will join us today who is quite an expert. She's a fanatic of the podcast that feature murders. I don't know what that says about her. But Kathleen Chenery is here today. She's one of my best friends from high school, more, more like childhood. So Kathleen, thanks for joining us. Hello, so happy to be here. So Kathleen, since you are new to the CWG pod, just introduce yourself briefly, where you're from, what you do for work, why you like murder so much. Sure. So again, so me and Paige have been friends for a long time. I'm most famous, probably known for my Groveland Rec League softball (laughs) career that we had together. (laughs) And yeah, I don't know if I'd call myself an expert, but definitely... With myself, like millions and probably billions of others, just really enjoy just murder stories in general (laughs) for some weird reason. Everybody finds it so fascinating nowadays. Everybody's allowed to be let out of that proverbial closet, loving the macabre. (laughs) So we're going to talk about a few cases today. As always, listeners, if you get lost, check out that audio guide and transcript online. So Ian, just have to ask... Are you like me and Kathleen? Are you obsessed with cold cases, with murders, with solving these kind of pretty terrible cases? <laughs> I am, yeah. It's sort of, you can describe it almost like you said earlier. It's, it's almost like I'd put it as like a, a guilty interest or a guilty pleasure almost in that, you know, the circumstances are dark. They are, you know, very unfortunate for the victims. But at the same time, it's just so damn entertaining. God, <laughs> trying to figure out what happened all the details, all the twists and turns. And, you know, a lot of times truth is stranger than fiction, as they say. So a lot of these things are they're hard to believe, even though they're true. So it'll be it'll be interesting for us to talk about these today. And I'm actually really obsessed with a certain cold case right now because it actually comes from my hometown in Springfield, Missouri. And this is the cold case that's called the Springfield Three. And basically what happened was back in June of 1992 in my hometown, which was quite a bit smaller at the time and very, you know, relatively safe and innocent. Not a lot went on. There were three women who went missing on the night of graduation, high school graduation, actually from the high school I graduated from. Did you do it? Just kidding. (laughs) I would have been one year old. I was one year old at the time. So it would have been the most amazing pull off ever. So I'm hearing you don't have an alibi. (laughs) Uh, I need to talk to my lawyer, I think, before we go any further. Uh, I don't want to put myself in any position, but the Springfield Three, basically, there were three women who 
It was one mother and two girls who had just graduated from high school. And that night they were going around town, going to different high school graduation parties. And they decided to go back to one of the girls' houses to stay the night um, where her mother was staying. So they went to the house and the next day everyone was gone. So all three of the women had disappeared. It was really strange because all of their personal belongings, like their cars, their purses, all of their other things, were in normal place in the house. They were all set up next to each other, kind of like you would prepare, like if you're preparing for your next day, right? You'd lay out your clothes and things like that. There were no signs of struggle except for a broken porch light. Again, like this was before cell phones and a lot of like a lot of the DNA evidence and forensic evidence we have now. And so a lot of things have just been a mystery since then. So, for example, the broken porch light was swept up by neighbors. They didn't, you know, they just thought that the light broke. So we're going to sweep it up. Well, they swept up evidence. And, um, you know, people at first weren't that worried about it. They thought, you know, in the time, 1992, you couldn't get a hold of everyone, right? There weren't cell phones. So they just thought, you know, maybe they, maybe they stayed, they went out for breakfast, maybe they did something. And, you know, as time passed, they realized they were gone. They hadn't come back. And they're all a bunch of different theories as to what happened to them. Like I said, they've never been found. Their remains have never been found. No one's ever been able to figure out what happened. So it's a really, really strange case. And in 1997, a guy named Robert Craig Cox was interviewed. He's a convicted kidnapper, robber, murderer. And he said in an interview, I know the three women are dead. I know where their bodies are. You're never going to find them. But he didn't admit to the actual murder himself. And so they were never really able to pin anything on him. Um, And he said that once his mother died, that he would say what happened. His mother's still alive. And so people are kind of waiting on pins and needles to see if he dies first in prison or, you know, if he's ever going to actually reveal what happened because here we are 30 years later and still no one knows what happened. So he's in jail and he said, basically, I I killed these women, but I'm not going to tell you. Well, he didn't say he killed them. He just said, I know that they're dead and I know you're not going to, I know you're not going to ever find the bodies. Which, why would he know that? Seems pretty innocent, right? So definitely something fishy going on there, but and 30 years ago, the city I grew up in was uh, quite a bit smaller. It was safer. Like I said, you know, people would just, you knew your neighbors, you, you know, you knew a lot of people around town and people were just so scared when it happened. You know, I talked to my family members and they just talk about how, you know, they were just terrified because something like that had never happened before where people just disappeared out of thin air. And it's just so eerie because even now when I go home and visit, you can go into some stores and you'll still see the missing posters up in certain stores. You know, the, the family's still holding out for an answer. So just a really sad case, of course, due to the circumstances. But it's just been just a huge headline and story in, in my neck of the woods, at least for the last 30 years. Fair. I mean, I, you know, obviously you grew up there. Do you feel like they're dead or you think they really are missing and maybe kidnapped or I don't know? If I was a betting man, I would say they were dead. But who knows? Maybe they uh, maybe they're on some island somewhere having drinks. I doubt it. But yeah, unfortunately, I think they're probably not around anymore. And actually, it's not sometime back in the 1990s. They were um, officially announced dead. Who knows? I really hope there's some closure that comes about at least for the families, right? That's got to be so, so, so difficult. I can't imagine going day by day and not knowing. 
Hey Ian, did you know besides the podcast, Dynamic English offers one-on-one classes with native teachers from all over the world? Really? But isn't it just a bunch of grammar lessons? Nope, it's completely discussion-based and focuses on topics the student is interested in. That's amazing. But what if I'm not living in Chile? No problem. Dynamic does online classes. You can be living anywhere. Great. But I'm a little intimidated to take the class alone. Can I join with a friend? Of course. Dynamic offers group classes of up to four. Plus, for the next month, Coffee of Gringo's listeners get 10% off individual or group classes. So go online to www.dynamicenglish.cl and mention that you are a listener and get your discount. Well, I'm sold. Sign me up. Well, thanks for sharing that, Ian. <laughs> on that to is our, interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. I'm going to Google that after this. So on to our solve next it. one. Yeah, I'm going to solve it. Really pin it on Ian. <laughs> <laughs> With his baby rattle. <laughs> he broke the light on the porch. <laughs> um, okay, so our next one, Kathleen's going to be yeah, the lead on this. It's this very famous. A, yeah, very different than the locally... <laughs> local story but I've always I always really liked the um and it's really sad to call it this but the Amanda Knox story and it's one of those classic cold cases where um the actual death of the person is completely overshadowed by the acquittal of Amanda Knox essentially I originally became interested in it this is one of my one of my awakening moments of how much I loved true crime (laughs) but it was and most people are very very familiar with the case but to boil it down it's um Amanda Knox had moved to Italy short term. She'd rented out the fourth bedroom of an apartment in Italy. Even in her own in her autobiography, she she's kind of an odd duck girl, not um not really one of the mainstream. But so she had befriended all the roommates and then they kinda had tapered off their friendship. She had started seeing another guy, this guy Raphael, and became had become very heavily involved with him and had kind of not really become friends with the roommates so much. And then one day it was a holiday, so she was trying to get in touch with Meredith, the woman who got killed. Couldn't reach her, couldn't reach her. Her and Raphael had gone to the apartment. They were trying to get in. They ended up causing some property damage, which later caused a lot of controversy. And when she called her mom, which really resonated with me because it would have been my first thing, Mom, what should I do? Her mother said, you need to call the police. They called the police, and they eventually found Meredith had been stabbed and essentially had bled to death in her apartment. The Italian police had almost immediately looked at Amanda for the murder, even though there was very minimal evidence against her and they had held her for two days. She's held in a different country. She's interrogated by people whose English is not their first language. One of her most controversial was that she ended up confessing to the murder which I always, I just always, I just always found that the most interesting thing. They interrogated her for hours and hours on end, and they're like, "Just tell us that you did it. It's going to be so much easier. Like, don't worry about it. We'll let you go. Just tell it." People were across the country were just infuriated by this. You have somebody that confessed to it in a police interrogation and then recants it immediately. Like, no, I, I actually didn't mean that. So it's very damning. So she was really publicly damned for this murder, and um, eventually they had found this other guy Rudy 
guilty of raping her, raping Meredith, essentially. That night. The same night. And his blood was found there, like, had a whole slew of fun evidence against him. But they just basically just damned Amanda Knox. She was eventually acquitted and ended but up going. But she spent It's been almost two years. years yeah. Over two years, I think, in jail. So she eventually gets sent back to America. Italy doesn't have double jeopardy. So when they tried, they tried to get more evidence and tried to extradite her. And Amanda Knox was just like, nah, <laughs> I'll be staying right here. And she's eventually off. She's not charged with anything anymore. But um, as far as cold cases go, it's still basically like every, it's kind of like a like a lot of cold cases. Like, you know who done it, but you can't prove it. And he was never actually I don't think he was ever actually um, convicted of the murder. I know. Yeah. But it wasn't even just Amanda's herself like her boyfriend also went to prison yeah and there was the issue of the knife the knife had been missing and she's like well we had taken it to cook this meal and so they said it was missing but it really wasn't and there was it was also it was like it felt like the evidence that they had was like there were fingerprints in the apartment that she lives in yeah which is like obviously her dna is everywhere she lives there so it was kind of Mm -hmm. the evidence they had against her was not really good evidence for committing the murder just like being in that And I area. apologize ahead of time for the details that I got wrong. I'm sure there's no, millions no. of people we're shaking not, their fists. We're, yeah, we're yeah. armchair experts here on the pod. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it, honestly, I mean, I don't know if you ever felt this, Ian, but like we both, you know, have lived abroad and it's something that has crossed my mind when I've lived abroad of never mm-hmm. wanting to like be caught up in a legal mm-hmm. system that I don't understand and a sure. language that I don't understand because, you know, it seemed like she was kind of just like, screwed and really just like in a wrong place at the wrong time and i could see my like if that happened in chile i'd be screwed like mm. or anyway, i don't know the legal system who loves to or, get into mischief yeah. myself when in other countries and have you know these fun harmless things i, I think it's I, I think you bring up a good point and i think it's easy for us too to say you know i wouldn't make the mistakes that she made in that situation or how could she confess to the crimes but Come on, you're you're 20 years old. You're living in another country. You are in shock, probably, that your roommate, your friend, is dead. That's probably enough of a shock. And now you're being bombarded in a foreign language. They're telling you to confess. And so I think it's easy for people to write her off as sort of a silly young girl. But I think it's I think it's more complicated than that. And you kind of have to put yourself in her shoes. At the same time, you know, it was one of these situations that we see a lot in, in cold cases or just cases in, in general with prosecution just doubling down on what they want to be the outcome, right? They might have this story made up in their mind or they might see think, okay, it's Amanda Knox. And instead of looking at the evidence and going that way, it's vice versa, they already have their outcome and they want to try to manipulate things to make them look successful, make that outcome happen. That was kind of the case here with Amanda Knox. There was, you know, almost no evidence putting her to the crime or her boyfriend. It was pretty clear that this perpetrator, the guy who who raped um, the roommate, there were a lot of red flags and they just kind of overlooked them. This is something that, like we said, we, we, we see a lot happen, but it's not so black and white. I don't, I don't think we can just say, oh, what a silly little girl for, for making those choices. But yeah, for me, if I, I've definitely thought about being locked up abroad. And it's like, I think for me, I would just, I'd probably just keep my mouth shut. I would just have a one word vocabulary. It would just be lawyer. I would just say lawyer, 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 lawyer until, until I had a lawyer. 
That brings us to our, our final case, which actually involves a similar situation of kind of, I guess, for our listeners, coercion, which means kind of agreeing to do something from peer pressure, basically, like from someone forcing you to do something. And this was a very, very, very popular case that made into a popular Netflix series called Making a Murderer involving Stephen Avery, who's from Wisconsin, which is a state in the Midwest. And he has quite an interesting story because he was convicted of rape, spent 18 years in jail for that rape, and they found out through DNA testing that he didn't do it. And he always said he didn't do it. So he got out, and then two years later, he was charged with murdering a woman who was taking photos of his cars. He owned like a salvage, basically like a, he owned a place where you would store crappy cars. (laughs) The woman went to his house and never returned. And so then he got convicted of murder and his case became so popular because wait a minute, he went to jail for 18 years for something he didn't do. Did he really do this? What is the evidence? And so he's in jail. So he was convicted of, of murdering this young woman. There's so many theories because He was in a small town after being convicted of a crime he didn't commit. He sued the town. So he won millions of dollars from this town, basically made the police force look bad. So there's the the theory that the police framed evidence to put him back in jail and punish him. There's also a theory that there's other people who did it and know Stephen Avery is an easy person to pin the crime on, right? Like he already went to prison. Everyone thinks he's a criminal. They just went right for him, him and his nephew, actually. And his nephew has some learning disabilities. He's very young. He's in high school. And they basically used the techniques that Kathleen was talking about with her Amanda Knox, where it seemed like the interrogation wasn't by the books. And they kind of convinced a kid whose you know, IQ isn't very high that, hey, you did this, just admit it. And he was like, okay. And like none of his story made sense. It was just something the police fed him and he said back. And so now it's like, who did it <laughs> right and so. and also you know the Averys, you know they're they're low income as well right they're known for for they have their junkyard but low income kind of seen as sort of like hillbillies kind of rednecks and so you know they're also not going to get that treatment that maybe someone more upper class from a more squeaky clean family you get so wrapped into the story and you want to solve it and it probably will never be solved like Mm -hmm. we'll probably never know who killed those girls in Missouri Mm -hmm. or who actually killed this roommate I mean it's pretty it probably is that guy that raped her but (laughs) but he wasn't convicted and then I don't know who killed this woman in Stephen Avery's case yeah who knows if or that guy who says he knows where the bodies are but won't tell anybody who isn't that the whole appeal nobody knows and everybody wants to right and the toughest part of it's that old legal saying that we have right it's not what you know it's what you can prove so it's right. that pro- it's that proof part that's always that missing element mm-hmm. in these cases to say, look, we have almost everything except for that smoking gun, maybe, mm-hmm. or that one thing that can that can close the case on this. And like you said, it's frustrating and hard for people to know that a lot of these they're going to be cold forever. We'll, we'll just never know. Well, speaking of that, on the next episode of CWG, me and Ian are going to solve a cold case. You are. So stay tuned. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Kathleen, for joining us. I think we could talk about cold cases all day. Yeah. 
They're so fascinating, and sadly, there's so many of them. Too many people murder people. So let's stop doing that. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thanks for joining us. And listeners, as always, check out that audio guide and transcript online, www.dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Coffee with Gringos was brought to you by Dynamic English, where you can learn English simply by using it. If you're interested in taking classes or just want to learn more, go to our website at dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening.